On today's episode, I'm joined by a pair of special guests as we recap the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, as well as look ahead to the NBA Finals. All that and more on Check the Scoreboard. Welcome into episode 36 of Check the Scoreboard Podcast. This is a very special episode because we are not only recapping the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, and not only are we talking about the NBA Finals coming up starting Thursday, but I've got two of my very good friends joining me on the podcast today. One of them you are familiar with, another one you are not familiar with unless you've been in the alumni gang, the alumni gang, and that's Alex and my good friend Manny. Welcome onto the podcast, Manny, and welcome back, Alex. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? All right, guys. And last time I was with Alex, we were in person when we did the podcast. Uh, cannot do that tonight. And Manny lives in Maryland. I'm not driving to Maryland or flying to Maryland to do a podcast. I don't have that kind of money yet. Uh, but one day I hope to have that kind of money where I can fly anywhere and see y'all and we can we can link up and do stuff like that. Um, but I want to thank y'all for, for being on. Uh, and I'm really excited to have you guys to talk about, you know, uh, the Eastern and Western Conference and, and also the NBA Finals, because not only uh, do we have experts or people who I trust for to talk about NBA basketball with, but, I mean, y'all are sort of fans of of the teams who have played in these playoffs, and, and you're, you're fans of at least players uh, who have played in these playoffs. Um, and poor BK, we were going to have our, our other good friend, Brian BK, who, who y'all are also familiar with on the show tonight to talk about the Bucks, uh, But something came up. He can come on. Uh, just know that we're thinking about you, BK. You are here in spirit. Um, uh, we'll remember you when, when we talk about the, the unfortunate failures that Milwaukee had here in the Eastern Conference Finals. And, and that's where we're going to start. Um, of course, we watched the finals, the Eastern Conference Finals on TNT. We saw Milwaukee go up two games to none, and then we saw Toronto win four straight. I would venture to say surprising. Uh, I know, Alex, you and I talked about how I wasn't really concerned after game two, um, or I wasn't really concerned after game three uh, when, when Milwaukee lost, but then I didn't think they were, I didn't think they were going to lose three straight. But, Manny, when you watched that series, for you at least, I mean, were you kind of surprised when you saw Toronto win four straight? Um, obviously, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm not so surprised about him winning for straight, and it's crazy, because I was just talking about this to somebody earlier about Kawhi, and how, you know, Kawhi being in this system, just came in San Antonio, on the top of which, you know, the top of which he was a team player, being, being in Toronto, he has that, that leeway to, to score, and be a star, and do what he wants to do. So, I'm not surprised, you know what I'm saying, that at this point in time, that like he's starting to come into the offensive minutes that he's been throughout this entire, you know, there. Yeah. Eastern series. So, now I was, I was shocked because, you know, the Washington phones there, they've been doing what they had to do. I wasn't expecting them to trail off or fall off towards the end of the, um, in a series like that. Like, that's something I was not getting, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but, you know, I would have, I would have hoped that they would have made it. I would have hoped that they would have, well, even if I was more like, I would have figured it out, I would have, you know, continued on, because Giannis has, has, has done stuff, you know, that a lot of players can do. Um, and I think Toronto doing that one, 
decent quiet defensive moves. We all knew there. And also, him coming into it like this offensive menace that he's been. Um, I would have liked to receive a little, a little more competitiveness on Milwaukee side towards the end. At the same time, you know, I guess it wasn't it wasn't in the stars on the line from the next this time. Yeah, I just for Milwaukee, it was. I mean, it was such a. It was really such a head scratcher to see them kind of fall apart the way that they that they did because me and Alex, you and I were talking about how consistent Milwaukee had been and how they were the most consistent team in the league all season. They had sixty wins, which was the most, and Toronto was was next with fifty eight. Um, and then we saw we saw Toronto win four straight. We saw them win two in Milwaukee. Or we saw them win um, two in Toronto. They go back to Milwaukee for game five, win one in, in Milwaukee after, you know, Milwaukee was up by double digits, and then they took care of business at home. Alex, for you personally, when you watched, especially when they after they even the series, um, for you, like, what, what were you thinking after Toronto had, had even the series? Um, I thought that they – Gained their momentum, and found the groove. Uh, Fred Van Vliet uh, played really well to let the last two games to close out the series. I think they stepped up their defensive intensity. I thought that Kawhi Leonard made it extremely difficult for Giannis Antetokounmpo to score, and uh, we talked about it as. Why there's that one guy that can really make things difficult for someone like Giannis because Giannis can't shoot and Kawhi's lengthy enough, athletic enough to guard and defend him. And I'll say another thing about Giannis that I noticed. He missed free throws. And no, I knew he was an okay free throw shooter, but he didn't shoot the free throw well at all this series. Yeah, it's 55% from really the free throw good. line. Yeah, that, that, that hurt them a lot. As Giannis needs to just go in the gym and work on his jump shot all summer. Because if he yeah. gets that, he becomes pretty much unstoppable. And if he if he's able to do that and they're able to resign and keep their key players, they, they have another shot at winning the East next year. They're a good defensive team. Brooke Lopez shot the ball really well. Um, they, they flared off, though, in game five at home. They just they kind of died out at the end of the game and I don't think it was Kawhi if I remember correctly I don't think it was Kawhi I think it was the role players that scored the bucket to wrap the knees to win the game um, but ultimately I think it was the fact that Giannis had probably the best small forward defender in the game in front of him and uh, Kawhi was able to make it extremely difficult wherever he went in scoring just mainly because Giannis needs to develop his shot and uh you know they were allowing Giannis to shoot I think he airballed a couple threes so oh, I, I just think Kawhi Leonard's playing the best basketball of anybody in the playoffs and I think even better than Steph Curry um because we all know that Kevin Durant was the playing the best before so right now I would say Kawhi Leonard's the best player uh in the playoffs yeah. right now heading into the finals yeah, just a, a couple of notes. I mean, Giannis, 55% from the free throw line, 33% from three, 44% from the field. And I, I have asterisk by all of these because his free throw percentage was the worst um, that he shot 
I mean, he, he didn't shoot the ball particularly well from the free throw line all play all playoffs long. And this was the worst that he shot in all series. I mean, he missed a ton of free throws in game three. And that's what I was telling you, Alex, was I wasn't really concerned uh, because I felt like Milwaukee could could fix the fact that they just didn't make free throws in that game, in game three, that they lost in double overtime. I felt like they could rebound and, and really make up for that in game four. And they didn't. I mean, Giannis, right. the 33% he shot from three was the highest that he shot all playoffs. And I think that's because they forced him to shoot. They walled off the paint. Um, I know Manny probably, you probably noticed that they walled off the paint a lot for, 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 uh, for Giannis and Kawhi talked about it when he talked to Kristen Ledlow, he said that they weren't just going to guard him with one guy. They were going to, uh, there was going to be a team effort. They were going to take turns. They swapped out. And there were different players like Mark Gasol, who's a, you know, a, a defending um, defensive player of the year. They had Siakam on him at times. Kawhi guarded him at times. Um, so after, I mean, really after game one or game two, rather Giannis at 30 points, he didn't he didn't score 25 but just once the rest of the series and so i think that was a testament to the adjustments that toronto really made um yeah and alex you talked about fred van vliet yeah fred van vliet i think they said he his son was born and after the birth of his son he just completely looked like a different person and that was from games 4 oh, through yeah. yeah that was games 4 through 6 games 4 through 6 uh van vliet you know he had, he scored 13 21 and 14 he scored in double figures three straight games, whereas he'd only scored in double figures just once uh, the rest of the playoffs before that. And I and I wrote down his numbers between games between games four and six. He shot forty four percent from the field and he shot eighty two percent from three. He was fourteen of seventeen from three, and he was eleven of twenty five from the field. Before that, before game four of the Eastern Conference Finals, Fred Van Vliet, which I guess this was before the birth of his son, Fred Van Vliet. 20 of 78, 25.6% from the field. Not, it wasn't, it wasn't great. So, I mean, I guess that goes to show you like these guys are still real people. They still have real things going on in their lives. Fred Van Vliet, the birth of his son was something that was weighing heavily on him. He was probably, you know, anxious about that. And once it finally happened, I mean, he really just, he really, like, it was like a weight lifted off his shoulders. And he realized he could just go back to playing basketball because, Van Vliet had been one of the better bench players all regular season, all of last year um, in the NBA. And then to see him just fall off like that in the postseason was kind of surprising, but he picked it back up. And he was really the lift that they needed um, off the bench because Milwaukee's bench certainly didn't show up. Even when you look at the, the series numbers, I mean, it just seems like guys who had been showing up for them all season long did not show up for them in this series. Uh, but one person I want to talk about, Kyle Lowry. Manny, just Kyle Lowry, I mean, what did you see from him this series as opposed to what you saw all playoffs long? Um, and I'm, I feel like I'm already biased um, a little bit about Kyle because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the biggest Lowry fan when it comes to him being in the playoffs because uh, I feel like there are times when he has not shown up um, so I, I, I would say his overall, and I would say specifically with this, with the Eastern Conference Finals, I would say he, he steps his game up a little bit more. Um, this was I probably the best series of his, of his career in the playoffs. Yeah, like I honestly want to say, if there's, if there's one thing that will get the Raptors to winning games in the finals, is more consistency from Kyle Lowry. That's that's what they need because you're they're going to be going up against Steph and Clay. 
one of the best backcourts in the game right now. Like we all know that that Kawhi is going to be going to be fine guarding Clay or guarding Steph or anyone on that team. But as far as Kyle, Kyle, he needs to he needs to step it up because Steph is going to take him out there on the dance. You know, and and Clay, Clay probably is, and my personal fans probably one of the best two guards in the league right now. Because not only can he shoot you from the three, but he has a nice little post game and his mid range is, is pretty decent as well. So Kyle Kyle's gonna have to has to be consistent in the finals. And it's, it's gonna be tough. It's not gonna be easy, but he has to be consistent. But I will say, especially in this in this last few games of this Eastern Conference Finals, um he he stepped up a little bit more. Yeah. Kyle Lowry's numbers in the Eastern Conference Finals, 19.2 points per game, five and a half rebounds, and uh, 5.2 assists. He shot 50% from the field and 46 from three. Alex, you and I, we, we, I mean, we, I'm, we tell jokes all the time about Kyle Lowry. Um, oh, yeah. But, but like, but when you hear those numbers and when you, when you watch the games and you saw him play, I mean, it looked, it looked like, Certainly, he heard us. I mean, he heard everybody talking about how he had to play better. He had that game in game one in the first round against the Magic where he scored zero points. He didn't make a single shot from the field. And he stepped his game up offensively last series against the Sixers. But it seemed like he hit a, He really hit another level this series. He had 30 points in game one. Uh, he had 25 in game – what, he had 25, 5, and 6 in game four. He had 17, 8, and 5 in game six. I mean, Kyle Lowry, I mean, really – I mean, he really he really stepped it up, um, and that's and that's what Toronto needed. I mean, would you would you not agree? I mean, like besides besides Kawhi, it seemed like nobody else had really shown up this postseason. But now Kyle Lowry sort of defined himself in this Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I, I think finally we see the Kyle Lowry that we not only expected but wanted to see, like his consistency from the regular season to flow into the postseason. Whether whether it be a drop or or drop a few points or it go up a few points, you wanted to see Kyle Lowry be consistent, and he never really was. He's never been consistent in the playoffs. It's been a running theme for years. But for him yeah. to finally do this is great. But not only Kyle Lowry, the other guards playing well because them that those the three or four guards they rotate out if Jeremy Lin plays or Patrick McCall plays and Van Vliet and Green and Lowry. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna have to chase um, the two two of the best shooters of all time around the triple line in the finals, the biggest stage. And I, I'm gonna be intrigued to see how they play them defensively. I think Patrick McCall is gonna play a big role as far as having insight on how they're gonna play Steph and Clay defensively. Uh, Kyle Lowry has has a tough task ahead of him guarding Steph. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he needs to do the same thing he did in the Bucks series. Finally, get his group, play his game, take charges. I think that was something I noticed he did a lot of, take charges. He's good at doing those. Good at swinging, swinging the pace, help slowing it down because the Raptors, they are one of the slow, they like to slow the pace down a lot as the Warriors like to up it. So there's going to be a game within the game, especially with the guard, Steph wanting to always push the pace or Iguodala always wanting to push the pace. Um, but I'm happy for Kyle Lowry to finally get to a point to where we, we can't joke as much about him yeah. because it was it was getting it was getting to be a running thing with just made jokes. Yeah. And it was yeah. just like we were confused. We were like, is this ever is he ever gonna come out of his 
it's long. And for him to finally do it after the Raptors, after I think 24 years of existence, to finally make the finals, um, I'm happy for the guy. I, I never disliked him or anything. It was just that we were all very confused that Kyrie couldn't produce at all. I mean, scoring zero points in a game would give me little to no confidence in you as a player in the playoffs. So, yeah. Yeah, and it was. He has to. And most of the confusion came from the fact that Kyle Lowry now has been an all-star three or four times, but every single year they got to the playoffs, it was like, I mean, we just expected, I mean, it was, it was he and DeMar always fell short. He and DeMar always fell short. And when you look back at the numbers, it was like, why does DeMar have to do so much? Like, why does, you know, like, why does DeMar have to average 25 or, or 30 for them to win? Like, why does he have to score that much for them to win? And I, and I, when they, when they went into the series against the 76ers, I simply said, Kyle Lowry doesn't have to score 20 a game. If he could just get you 13 to 15, if he can just sit in that range, because he's going to play the defense. He's going he's gonna to hustle. He's going to take the charges. He's going to do everything on a defensive end, and he's going to d- distribute the ball on the offensive end. He's going to do everything to help you win. But when you talk about guard play, and you talked about like what they're going up. He had to. I felt like he had to just. He had to up the scoring, and he did that. He did that from 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 the Philly series to this series. Um, and Alex, you talked about Toronto's defense all season, or you talked about their defense in the playoffs and how they played Giannis. The Bucks were the number one scoring team in the NBA. They averaged 116 points a game. When you look back at this series, they scored over 116 points just once. They scored a hundred and they scored a hundred and um, well, they scored hundred and twenty-five in game two when they won. Every other game, they scored they they scored over hundred and ten points just once, and that was in game three, the game that they lost. So Toronto really brought it defensively, um, and they also brought it offensively. I mean, they scored over hundred points in every game. Um, so they, I mean, and when you look, it's just. Toronto is, is an interesting team because Milwaukee, they had one of the better benches in the league as well, but Toronto matched them all series long. Uh, I did the numbers. Toronto averaged 31.7 points. They averaged the same. Pretty, they both pretty much averaged 32 points a game if you round it up. So they had the same number of bench points, but Toronto's starters, excuse me, Toronto's starters just happened to be better. Um, you talk about Siakam, 14.5 points. You talk about Powell, who come off, he came off the bench. Uh, he scored. He averaged 12 points in the series. Um, ben Vliet averaged 10 points in the series. So Kyle Lowry averaged 19. Kawhi, uh, he was he was just better. I mean, like they were the difference makers. Kawhi, he averaged you know 29. He averaged basically 30 in the series. He scored 30 in every single game except for games four and six. And he had that monstrous 27 and 17 game in game six. So um, I mean, it's just this Raptors team. What they did, what they were able to do to Milwaukee how uncomfortable they were able to make Milwaukee look. It was something that we hadn't seen all season. And they gave Milwaukee the first three-game losing streak. Milwaukee hadn't lost three straight all season long. Actually, I don't think they lost back-to-back games all season long until Toronto did what they just did. So, um, I mean, just this this Raptors team is certainly they, – they put a good squad on the court. And after game two, they made the adjustments. But – I mean, games games five and six, though, we could have easily been talking about a seven-game series. We could have been easily talking about Milwaukee winning it in six because games five and six, they had they had double-digit leads 
in game five, in game five, Milwaukee led 32-22 after the first quarter, and they led 49-46 at halftime. But then they built, uh, but then they got outscored 59-50 in the second half. What you saw was you saw Van Vliet come on, you saw their their bench really make plays, and then you just saw sort of Toronto say, okay, like this is what they did in the first half. Pretty much what Golden State did to Portland. When Portland carried those big leads in the halftime and after the half, Golden State said, okay, this is what they did and this is what we're going to do to adjust. Um, the only difference is Milwaukee, they they couldn't adjust enough. Uh, you talk about like Eric Bledsoe having to, to take shots and passing up a lot of shots. They just didn't play well after after the half times in, in games five and six. Um, and, and that's why they that's why they really lost this series instead of uh, instead of winning it is because they didn't they didn't play well after after halftime. Um, but I mean, just as far as just as far as overall completeness, I mean, this should have been a seven game series, no doubt. But instead, it was sort of lopsided. We had Milwaukee win the first two, and then then they lost four straight. Um, and Giannis. Giannis felt confident after game five. He said they, they weren't going to lose in six. They were going to be back in Milwaukee for seven. But he didn't really play. He didn't have great games, and they really limited him. And that's because, I mean, that's the walled-off defense that I talked about earlier. Um, but, I mean, for for Kawhi to, to carry this team really to the finals, it's sort of evident that they, that they win the DeMar DeRozan trade you know, the Spurs and, and, and the Raptors, the Raptors win this trade because they're going to the finals for the first time. They've got a guy who's averaging 30 in the playoffs, right? He scored, he scored 30 in 11 straight games uh, before they got to this point. I mean, really, I mean, what else, I mean, what more, I mean, like what more can you guys say about either the Raptors or the Bucks just in terms of how they played? Um, I can say that, um, Comebacks have been a theme in this playoff. The playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always been a, um, and I don't want to get too far into it, but you know we're going to discuss this in a little bit. But the, 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 on the Western Conference, the Warriors, no lead has ever been safe. And so, like, I think that teams in the playoffs, I don't know if they've become exhausted. I don't know if they put so much effort into the first half that their adjustments in the second half aren't 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 as good. And you give up these leads, and that's something the Raptors, the Raptors will probably get a lead, a sizable lead. And the one thing that's good about the Raptors, and that I was reading uh, while you were talking, Jamal, going through some stats, the Raptors, I don't believe, have only lost one game um, when they were up by 10 or more. They're really good at having a double-digit lead, and they keep it. To get that with the Warriors, they have to maintain it and sustain it. And uh, one thing I was thinking about as we talked about Kyle Lowry was, are we going to see the same Kyle Lowry in the finals? Or is it a new environment, a new feeling that he's never had being in the finals, and is it going to get to him? And that is a huge question. And somebody, some one or two people are going to have to show up alongside Kawhi Leonard for them to have a chance to win the series. Yeah. Because if Kevin Durant comes back anytime soon, then, it, then, then Kawhi is going to need a lot of help. Because Kevin Durant... Uh, when he plays Kawhi Leonard, he gets score on Kawhi Leonard, and um, I think I think that's one of my biggest questions: is what's going to happen to Kyle Lowry when the finals begins, and can they keep a lead when they get the lead on the Warriors? Because Steph and Clay can get you back in the game within six minutes, 
and it doesn't matter how big of a gap you have in points. I think we can talk more about, you know, we can talk more about what do we think we're going to get um, in the finals when we when we get to that segment. Real quick, Manny, I just want to talk about the Bucks bench because we did talk about the Raptors bench and, and the production they got. Um, we're not so much the bench players, but the other players outside of Kawhi, um, outside of Giannis on the Bucks side, they didn't really get much. Chris Middleton in particular, I mean, Brooke Lopez had a had a great series. Brooke Lopez averaged 15, almost 16 a game. He had the 29-point game in game one, uh, really catapulted Milwaukee to a, to a win. Um, Chris Middleton struggled. He struggled mightily. He averaged 13, you know, 13, almost 14 a game in the series. He shot 40% from the field. He only shot 34% from three. Manny, I'm going to read these point totals out to you. And because this is not the Chris Middleton that we're used to seeing, he had one 30-point game, and that was in game uh, that was in game four. He scored six points in game five, which was a pivotal game. He scored nine points in game three, which was a, a very pivotal game as well. Not the Chris Middleton that we're used to seeing. Manny, what as far as did you notice? I mean, did you notice that Chris Middleton maybe was forcing it a little bit? Um, honestly, I would say, I would say it, it, it could be a combination of two things. Um, one, you know what I'm saying? One, it being a big stage, you know, like when, when's the last time you heard the Bucks make it to the Eastern Conference Finals? Um, so one, I attribute that to the, to the big stage. Uh, cause we've, we've seen it a lot of times with players who make it to the, you know what I'm saying, the finals of their, of their conference and they're not the same players that they used to be or they're struggling or they can't make that adjustment in the second half. Because um, it's like you said, we, we all know Chris Middleton gives us the point that, that we need to continue to, you know, to, to move on to win the game. And it seems like all of a sudden, once we get to the Eastern Conference Finals, it, he's struggling. And also, I, I think it, it can be seen as far as the adjustment that the Raptors have made defensively. You know, defensively, they have gotten better. Defensively, they made the adjustments that they need to so that, you know, um, they can get the board, stop the ball, or come off in transition quick to get the buckets that they need. With Chris Middleton, you know, I'm, 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 I'm confident he's confidently say that the Bucks will be back in, you know, the playoffs next year. Yeah. Um, my hope is that he can learn from this stage so that next time, if they do make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, it's not going to be the same performance. Yeah. I mean, Middleton should be back as a buck. He is eligible for free agency this year. But, I mean, just I, – I read you, he did have the 30 points in game four. They did lose that game. Even in their wins, he wasn't really a factor because in their wins, in game one, he had 11 points on four of 12 shooting. In game two, he had 12 points on five of eight shooting. So he didn't even shoot the ball that much. Um, he was three for 16 in game three. He was – he was his best game was game four. He was 11 of 15. After that, he was two for nine in game five, and he was five of 13 in game six. So Chris Middleton – I saw him force a lot of shots, and they got down late yeah. in the shot clock, especially in game six. They would get down late in the shot clock, and um, they would just throw up a shot. But I noticed one thing that the Raptors are really good at is they're really good at taking you all the way down, and they're really good at putting pressure on you when you get down inside four seconds of the shot clock because they did it to Philly in game seven. Um, Philadelphia had trouble getting shots off towards the end of that game. Uh, this game in game six, their closeout game, they made it really tough, and throughout the series, they made it really tough on Milwaukee to get shots off under twenty in 24 seconds. And a lot of the times, Chris Middleton had the ball in his hands, 
he was just throwing up a prayer, hoping the ball would hit the rim. Um, but this another thing that this Toronto team is really good at is rebounding. And when we get to our final segment, I'm really excited to talk about who who we think um, is going to win that rebounding edge. But I just wanted to bring up Chris, the Chris Middleton thing. Alex, we still got maybe about two minutes here in this in this 30 minute window. Uh, if you want to get your thoughts off about Chris Middleton and how he played or some of the other Bucks players and how they either played well or, or didn't play well. Um, I think Chris Middleton could have played better necessarily. in certain games and certain moments and times. I think, like Manny said, this is this would be a great learning experience for the young Buck players, and it's a new environment for them. But they played well enough to where they could have went seven or won the series. They really did play well enough. I just think that they weren't able to maintain some leads and play well in the critical moments. But they, I still think they could have won the series. It sounds kind of contradicting, but they, they, they could have. If they would have made certain adjustments, um, they could have won it. Some like Pat Connaughton or if um, Miritich, Miritich did not really play well, but if he could have played better, shot better, I think him and uh, Ersan Ilasova. And they got good players that if they would have contributed more, Played a little better. I think this would be a seven-game series. Uh, the Bucks could have a chance at winning. I, I, I love the acquisition of Brook Lopez. Uh, he was really important for them. I mean, he did score 30 points, and he shot the mess out of the ball the first game. He he made it difficult on Marcus Gasol when defending him and things. Overall, I like the Bucks roster. The Bucks roster and things. I think they might need to acquire one more really good player. Uh, I think they need to re-sign their key players, and I think they'll they'll be a top two or three seed again next year. Yeah, um, I think it was a good thing, bad thing for Brook Lopez to see the ball go in the hoop that much in the first game because he didn't really shoot the ball great after that from three. And then the Miritich part, he was a great acquisition. They brought him in to shoot threes. He didn't even play in game six. He had, I mean, he didn't score in game five. He had zero points. He took shots. He just didn't make them. I mean, he just averaged 9.8 points, and he shot 19% from three. They can't have that. Uh, but we're coming up on our 30-minute block. Our 30-minute block. We'll continue this. Welcome back into uh, Check the Scoreboard, episode 36. Before we were cut off, we were just talking about Miritich and how well he just he didn't play and how poorly he shot the ball. And while we were waiting to to start up this part, Alex made a great point. Alex talked about Brooke Lopez. And we were talking about how he, he didn't really shoot the ball that great um, after after game one, especially from three. And Alex and Alex mentioned the part that I mean maybe Brook Lopez felt like he had to step up because nobody else was helping Giannis. And I would agree with that um, because Malcolm Brogdon, who was coming back, who came back in game five or game four of the Celtics series, game five of the Celtics series, excuse me, off the bench. He, he started the last two games of this series, and he came off the bench in the first uh, four games. He didn't play that great either. Um, and that could have been very well the fact that he was just getting back into the groove. I mean, he had suffered a foot injury and missed the last month of the season. So Giannis really didn't have a ton of help. I mean, Eric Bledsoe, you can't really rely on Bledsoe to shoot the ball. I mean, he scored his fair share. I mean, he shot the ball, and he scored what? He's had like 17 in game six. But Bledsoe really isn't a shooter. He's not going to hit threes for you. And, and so that's probably where Brooke Lopez comes in uh, with, with his firing of threes. Uh, because, I mean, you score 29 in one game and you hit the most threes that, you know, you 
you hit four threes in a game and you hadn't even hit four threes in your career up until that point um, or until this season at that point, I think you're, you're probably feeling yourself a little bit. Um, but overall, I think the Eastern Conference Finals was enjoyable. Um, whether you were rooting for the Bucks or rooting for the Raptors, certainly if you're rooting for the Raptors, the last four games were, were enjoyable. But, I mean, it was a good ride overall. I mean, just to see Kawhi carry another team, to see him back in the finals, um, to see him just back playing well and, and at a high level, really after only playing nine games last year was, was really critical and it was really huge. But now we're on to the Western Conference Finals. And we're on to a series that was just really a really a huge head-scratcher between Golden State and Portland because, Alex, I talked to – we talked about it. I thought Portland very well – they probably should have been up 3-1 in that series. Yep. We talked about it a lot and probably said the same thing three or four times while we talked about it while we had Portland blue major leagues. Didn't make halftime adjustments. Just I, I, I am perplexed, befuddled. Whatever word you want to use, that at worst it's two two. At best, you're looking at three one series, and you just you just I don't I just I'm confused. I don't understand. Draymond's out there getting triple doubles with ease. Clay and Steph are finding their rhythm in the second half, and you, they just they just give up the lead. I mean. I, you know, I love Clay and Katie, and I want them to continue to win. But at the same time, from a basketball perspective, passion that I have, it's like you shouldn't give up. You're a pro basketball player. What you yeah. were doing in the first half shouldn't be hard to maintain that lead in the second half. If you have CJ McCollum and Damon Lillard who are scoring, it just I just don't understand. I think that they just they lack a third option on that team as well i think not having um your big man uh gosh what's his name Nurkic. down with the leg injury Nurkic. Uh, Nurkic. you said you said Nurkic. yeah with him getting injured i think i think i think honestly if he played then i think that you really but that's also saying if katie played it'd be different but i mean you had these leads you should never gave them up yeah, you, I mean, if you're up you by 17 points, every half. yeah, you're up by 17 points. You you shouldn't you shouldn't give that up, which is what they were up by. Um, I mean, it it was catastrophic. It was I told I told you if even if it was the Warriors, I don't care who it is. If there's a team that's up by double digits, you just you just hate to see them lose a lead like that. I mean, it's not even enjoyable. Like this wasn't even. Manny, I don't know how much enjoyment you got out of this series, but I got zero enjoyment out of this. I not the fact because it was it was Dame and CJ, uh, who I mean, who I, I I ride super hard for on Twitter, as you as you see. But like, even if it was the Warriors and they had given up seven, you know, seventeen point leads, this series this series was not enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, and, and honestly, and I'm coming from a wide standpoint, being a game for game. But honestly, it's, it's like Alex said, them losing their big man in their case. Um, and then also going to a seven-game series, which in one of those series went to four overtimes. After, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, yeah. that is difficult. So not only are you, you know, you're, you're battling with not having your, your go-to big man, um, you're also coming up with a seven-game series, and also in one of those series, you went into four overtimes. 
So I, I genuinely think it was mental fatigue. May not, may not even be physical, but I think it was mental fatigue that the entire team was facing. And then having to go into in, in Oakland to play the Warriors, who will shoot anybody out of the gym on any game Sunday. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't think that they were prepared for that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I thought. I thought Denver definitely took a lot out of Portland. I mean, they played a seven-game series. Denver had – I mean, Portland had to overcome uh, a double-digit deficit in game seven just to win that series. And then they had to play two days later um, in, in Golden State. Uh, and they lost game one. And I said, all right, game one, obviously they didn't have the energy that they needed. But then they they brought it game two. And when you look at it after halftime, they had – so they went into halftime with a 15-point lead. They score the first basket of the second half. McCollum hits a 14-foot jumper, and the only other points they get after that for the longest stretch are two free throws from Mill Harkless. In that, in that time, Steph Curry hits a three to get it started for Golden State. Steph hits another three. Um, then Steph hits a jumper. Then Clay hits a three. Then Clay hits another three. And by that time, it's 69-64. And now what you just – this is all in the span of not even four full minutes of, of basketball. This isn't even four minutes off the clock after halftime. We're looking at 825. At the 825 mark, the score is now, or the 745 mark after Clay hits the, the second three. So we've played four minutes and 15 seconds of second half basketball, and the, the lead is down from 17 or 15 to five. Not even four not even five full minutes of basketball. And this is what Alex was talking about with the Golden State Warriors runs. And we haven't really seen the Golden State Warriors third quarters this postseason uh, that we that we usually see. Um, we didn't really see them in the Clippers series. We saw we saw the Warriors get Warriors in the Clippers series. Um, we didn't really see it so much in the Rocket series. Uh, we more so saw the Rockets just miss a bunch of shots. But this was in its purest form, Alex. This was the traditional Golden State Warriors third quarter run. Yes, and 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 something that I've thought about that, um, you know, I, I was reflecting on that series one day, and I was just like, why not just foul? Why not just someone who has one foul the third quarter? I mean, I don't think I don't think anybody fouled in that series, but why not just take a foul? When I take a foul, they start going on a six zero eight zero one, and and make them play in their half court set. It it just baffles me sometimes how teams and you're professional athletes and you know scouting report Clay and Steph can get harder than anybody on earth shooting the ball. It, it, Clay doesn't even dribble sometimes. He catches and shoots with his fingertips. It's ridiculous. And and Steph, you know, can shoot from almost dang near half court. So. Take a foul or, or find them. You have to find them because if they get an 11, 12 or run and they're at Oracle, that crowd and the energy, it, 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 it's like they have a 30 point lead on you and you're still up by five. Your energy and your body language start to change and the players, they look defeated. It, it's psychological too. It's mental because at that point, you're like, you, you, you don't know, you don't feel like you can do anything to stop them from getting that run. And it's with everyone. It doesn't matter who plays the Warriors. It happens with everyone. And 
and it's just it's unbelievable how they they're able to just get beat. I mean, and because Steph and Clay weren't shooting well in the series prior with the Rockets, the Rockets were very physical. The Rockets pushed them around down low, and like in the Portland series, they played off some, and they didn't go over the screen. Sometimes they went under, and that left Steph with a big man who was playing almost in the lane sometimes. Like, Pumley, I remember getting caught in the lane a couple of times, and he should know better to step up and force Steph to drop. And it's just those little things that happen, and you're letting two of the best shooters ever step into jump shots that they can make regularly. And and it's those little things, the little adjustments you didn't make that cost them this series and majorly, multiple majorlies that yeah. they really should have won the game. Yeah, they should have won three. They should have easily won three straight. Um, Collins in game one really, I mean, a 21-year-old, this is his second year. In the, he didn't play a ton last year in the playoffs, so this is really his first year getting a real taste. Um, I think he'll remember this, especially against the Warriors, because Collins did not have a strong series. In game one, he didn't play that well. He was the one that was that was dropping down on all those screens on Steph, and that's why Steph had a really big game. Um, I called. I said before this series started, Myers Leonard had to get more playing time. Myers Leonard needed to play if they were going to get offensive rebounds and if they were going to get second chance opportunities. Myers Leonard had to play. Myers Leonard doesn't play the first game. Um, he really what this what well, the series only lasted four games, so it's not like it lasted forever. Um, but Myers Leonard, I mean, even the, the small time he played, he still, he still put up 17 and seven. He played like, he played like the last two games, pretty much. He played garbage time in game two, and then he played a lot in game three and he played, he started game four. Um, and I thought he provided a spark that they needed. They just didn't, they just couldn't come up with it back to game two, because this is what started it all. The snowball effect. After CJ McCollum hits that hits a 14 foot pull up at the 11:44 mark, Portland doesn't score again until the 9:34 mark. So that's almost two full minutes. They go 0 for five in that stretch. CJ McCollum misses two shots, Dame misses a shot, and Harkless misses a tip in before he gets fouled. Like later on, they had multiple stretches, and not just in game two, but in games three and four, they had several stretches where they just did not score the basketball. And the Golden State Warriors made it tough. I mean, it's like they just never – Portland just never thought to make an adjustment um, at all after halftime, and that's why they ended up in these stretches where they just – they couldn't get a shot off, they couldn't score, and they just weren't – they were – Dame was taking tough shots. This was Dame's worst – this was his worst series this season. Uh, he averaged four and a half turnovers a game, and if you watched it, Manny, I mean, the Warriors were running traps at him. They were running double teams at him, and he just he just seemed out of sorts. This was not the Damian Lillard that we saw in the Oklahoma City series. And really, ultimately, I mean, he started his struggles against y'all, against Denver. I mean, uh, do you think, do you feel, Manny, that he carried some of that struggle uh, from Denver or into the Golden State series? Or do you just think the way that you guys played him just sort of gave out the blueprint? Um, I mean, honestly, I would, I would generally say it's, I would picture that overall, since he just made a whole other series. Um, but as I watched that series, um, and just looking at the entirety of the whole play, 
Speak up a little bit. I think as a, as a whole, Portland did a phenomenal job playing ball. Of course, I would have loved to see Denver come out and be on the surprise round, but you know, same time. Um, but again, I would have attributed that to general fatigue. Um, because it's not it's not easy going into Mahai, having to adjust to the, you know, the altitude. So you're, you're coming from that, and then you're back to your own town, and back to that. Again, after many years, the seven game series. You guys are one of the most exciting arenas in the league right now. You play one of the best shooting teams possible. And so it's, you know, it's, I would generally say it's overall fatigue that hits them. Because I'm thinking, even if, even if we get the jury looking into like game five or game six, I think that it would have been a different team. I think they all would play differently. Um, but the fact that we went to the game seven and then having the one game out of the series going four overtime. And then have to try to run and play again. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, Damian Lillard in this series, twenty-two points, four net, four, you know, almost five rebounds. He did average nine assists a game, which was his playoff high. Um, he's never averaged nine assists in any series in his playoff career, and he averaged nine in this series. So, I mean, he did have the turnovers, but he was. It's not like he was completely making bad decisions. He was. He was just generally, genuinely. Um, finding his teammates and just making the right plays. It's And I saw the, the timeline. I think the timeline on Twitter was being a little unfair to Dame, especially after what we saw him do to Oklahoma City, um, how well we saw him shoot the ball. He shot it nearly 50% from, from the field and three, and he took a tremendous dip in the Denver series. And then, um, you know, he shot, what, 39? He, his splits were 39-27 against Denver. His splits in this series against Golden State, 36-37. Um, Alex, Dame only shot – he only took more than 20 shots one time in this series against you guys, and he only made more than six baskets um, one time. Game four was the only game he made more than six shots. And he had six such games um, where he had more than 10 shots made all, all playoffs, and he didn't have a single game with 10 shots made against against you guys he had more than nine games when he took more than 20 shots before he only had the one so yeah golden state was running the double teams at, at dame uh, and but he was just he genuinely was just trying to make plays for his team um and he was seriously just trying to make sure that he didn't i don't think i think more than anything alex if you remember the the pelican series last year and how poorly he played he was trying not to repeat that uh, I agree. I I think that Clay Thompson's size affected him some. I think the Warriors had a really good strategy with him. I think the trapping didn't come to later in the series. Um, I think with the last two games when they started trapping, like they they didn't they didn't start the series trapping. I think it was just the adjustments they made. They made they were physical with him. And they were in his grill. Andre Godala had quick hands. You know, he made that one strip on Dame. Yeah, in game three. Um, when he went up. For or game two, shot. rather. And yes, in game three, that one in the game. I mean, I think it's just ultimately the Warriors know, they know each other well. They communicate well. They switch things well. They they play demons. Have, they have great hands. The Warriors, I mean, Steph Curry is always getting steals out there. Andre Godala's had some of the best hands. Uh, that I can remember, uh, I think it was the NBA Finals. What year was that? Probably the first year Kevin Durant was 
on the team 2016. He had that strip on LeBron on the jump shot that they won a game um, off of. I mean, they just they just played they played defense. They didn't, they didn't foul a lot. They didn't send Dame and CJ to the line a lot. They they played sound defense. They were able to play off some players as well and help because Portland's not loaded with shooters like other teams are, like the Rockets. They were able to to kind of get in the lane more and and cause more havoc on drives. Um, and I think I think that's one thing that Portland lacks is a forward or center um, that can really get them a bucket. I mean, Nurkic can, but he was injured, so you really can't talk about him. They didn't have anybody else that could really really go get them a bucket, and they only have a they don't have like a sharp shooter. They had Seth Curry. He played well. I give him that. Um, but as far as anybody that's taller than six five, they didn't have anybody to get them a bucket. So I think the Warriors could game plan around that and really put their focus on stopping Dame and CJ. Yeah, CJ McCollum. He saw his numbers go down a little bit as well. CJ only averaged twenty two a game in this series, four and a half assists. Um, his splits were thirty nine, thirty four, eighty one. He only made more than 10 field goals once against Golden State. He made more than 10 field goals four times against Denver. Um, in game three against Golden State, CJ was two of 10 from the field. Um, so not his best series. I mean, so it wasn't just Dame who was having a tough time. And obviously all the talk coming into this series was going to be the backcourts. Stephen Clay against Dame and CJ, how well would they stack up? Um, I mean, you saw me tweeting out the numbers after the first couple of games. And what they looked like over the series after four after four straight, Damon CJ averaged forty four points a game. They shot thirty seven percent from the field, thirty five percent from three. Stephen Clay averaged fifty eight points a game on forty three percent shooting from the field and thirty eight shooting from three. So obviously, Steph was a lot of that because Steph had what he had two games of thirty seven, and then he had two games of thirty six. Um, Steph had some really, I mean, Clay had some really good games. Um, but I mean, for the most part, it's just Portland didn't make it hard. I mean, they didn't make it difficult on, on Stephen Clay, whereas Golden State made it really, really difficult for, for Damon CJ to get involved and to really just be catalyst for their teams because CJ got hot in game four. I mean, CJ or game three, CJ got hot. Um, or no, no, not game three. I think it was game two that CJ got hot. He was really hot in game two. Dame was really hot in game four. But it was just the Warriors made sure to break those up. Um, The Warriors made sure that Dame didn't go off and score 10 or 15 straight, that CJ didn't go off and score 12 or 15 straight. And that's why it's important to have a strong bench like the Warriors have because Portland doesn't have that. Rodney Hood played really big for them. Uh, in the last series against Denver, he tailed off this series. He tailed off. He dropped off from 14 points against Denver. He fell to to just nine, basically 10 points against against Golden State. And his canter, just six points and seven rebounds against Golden State. I think Kevin Love would have been a great addition for this team. I know Kevin Love would have been a bit pricey to, to make the trade for with his contract. But Kevin Love's from that area. He's from the Portland area. He went to UCLA. Um He's not seven feet, but Kevin Love is a big body. Kevin Love would have helped him on the boards. It would have, he would have helped him even against Denver because Portland, they didn't grab a lot of rebounds, and they, they gave up a lot of second-chance opportunities. Um, I, think, I think Kevin Love would have been a great addition. 
I don't know where they're going to be in the offseason because guys like Alfred Aminu, uh, Mo Harkless, they have to find – like these guys, they busted. I mean, they busted against Golden State. And and even Aminu busted somewhat against Denver. I mean, when 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 these guys needed to make plays, when, when it wasn't supposed to be all on Damon CJ, these guys really, really struggled. Um, so I don't really know, Alex and, and Manny, where they're going to go, where they're going to have in terms of just – other options for this team because I know they like the chemistry and I know Dame loves the chemistry that this team has together and they all believe in each other and they, and they have the confidence. But I mean, Alfaruk Aminu can't, he can't have a series where he goes, where he averages three points a game, not against the Golden State Warriors. If you're looking, if you're looking to go up three, one, if you're looking to just win a game, Alfaruk Aminu can't average three points in the series. Um, and if Kevin Durant had played, Kevin Durant would have murdered him. I mean, because he's he's a frail body. He's thin. I mean, he's he's a thin body. He can't really block you. The only thing he has going for me is long arms. That's it. So uh, I think Aminu has to figure out a way to, to to up his game so that when Damon CJ score there, when they're only averaging 22, when they're only scoring 19 and 23 uh, in, in games against teams like the Warriors, the other guys are stepping up. Like they have guys like Iguodala, like the Warriors. They guys, they have guys like Draymond who averages 16, you know, 16, 11, and eight uh, for the series. They have guys like Kevon Looney who's averaging 10 and seven. Um, that's where the difference was. Is these other guys? It wasn't so much Steph and Clay as it was. Oh, I mean, Golden State had Iguodala. Golden State had Draymond. Golden State had Kevon Looney, um, and those guys were better than Portland State's other guys. Um, and, and Myers Leonard didn't play a whole ton, so. Just, I mean, if you have, I mean, you have Damon CJ and you have Stephen Clay, Manny, or yeah, Manny. Um, what I mean, talking about Damon CJ, what do you think? Because they they play well together. Um, what do you think for them? What do you think kind of their game goes when they have to play a team like a Golden State in, in the playoffs? Uh, this is in terms of. Moving up or just... No, I think it's just in terms of filling filling out how to how to help their team win, because there's such I mean because a, a a strong percentage of their of their scoring and their offense comes from those two guys that yeah when they play a team like Golden State who has multiple defenders, what do you think their like what do you think their mentality goes and and how in trying to help their team win because I saw it in two different ways. Um. I mean, of course, honestly, a major thing is being able to, to guard Steph and Clay on the perimeter. Um, it's, it's like Alex said, you know, Clay is a catch and shoot. And it's, it's crazy with his ability to be able to do that. Um, and as a percentage that he's doing it. Um, so, one, being able to, to guard them at the perimeter. Because, um, you know, they're, they're going to shoot the ball regardless. That's something you cannot stop. They're, they're going to shoot the ball regardless. And I think one of the big things is also being able to stop them in transition. Um, and it's with any Warriors game that you watch, once they get a rebound, there's already one or two people running down that court in transition. Their transition ball is phenomenal. And that's, that's what gets them, you know what I'm saying, those free throws that they make, those extra points that they, you know, that, that they tend to get or that's what cuts down the lead, you know, that other teams will have on it. It's, 
the one being able to guard their guards at the perimeter and being able to to get their transition ball. Yeah. One thing that I, that I did notice, Alex, is I mentioned Dame really not forcing it. Um, he did average, you know, a playoff career high for him, eight and a half assists per game. What I saw from CJ, though, was I saw him at times, he really noticed that they weren't shooting the ball well from three and that he just had to try to get to the rim and get and get to his spots because CJ's deadly in the mid, in the mid range. Um, this offseason, Alex, for you, or for CJ and, and for CJ and, and Dame, what do you really see those guys, um, in your opinion, needing to, not needing to work on? But what do you what do you think uh, those guys probably should work on when, when they hit the gym this summer? Um, I mean, I think they really have great tools to be scores. Uh, CJ CJ's a, 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 an above average shooter in a lot of areas. Um, neither one of them are going to be posting up a lot. I think more so when he comes back, they should probably work on a really good pick and roll with Nurkic. Maybe Nurkic, maybe Nurkic, the way the game's, you know, trending in, in the NBA is maybe Nurkic being able to step out and uh, hit a couple threes like a, like a Marcus off. You know, play both inside and out like a DeMarcus Cousins maybe. You know, the bigs can shoot now. So maybe that and that would help open up the lanes for CJ and Dame. I just don't know the way this team is constructed. The role players, I don't know if the role players are around the Trailblazers are good enough to get them anywhere past the Western Conference Finals. I don't, I just don't know. I don't think they would be able to beat Houston. Although they, they didn't play Houston, but I don't know. I don't think they'd be able to beat Houston. I don't think they'd be able to beat a, a Warriors team. Um, I think they really need to, to sign a couple of better role players. I, I'm not fond of Alfred Camini. Never have been. I, um, like you said, he only averaged like a few points a game. And but he should probably be thankful that Kevin Durant didn't show or didn't play in the series because I'm thinking Durant might average 40 to 45 a game on him. He, he poses no threat to Kevin Durant. I think that they need to upgrade their bench some. They just need to sign a few guys. But but what they need to work on, going back to your question, is probably a really good pick-and-roll game or pick-and-pop game with Nurkic when he gets healthy. Because um, I think that CJ and Dame have the tools to be all-around scores. And they're, and they're improved passers. There are no slouch in the passing game. Um, but I think that would be one thing I would like to see more from them. Yeah, and that probably wasn't a, a really fair question to ask because, I mean, Dame and CJ, they've they've both averaged 20 or more the last, like, six years they played together. Um, and CJ's really stepped up. I mean, CJ's, CJ's been in his bag. CJ can get – he can get to any spot he wants to in the court. He runs – I mean, CJ runs the most out of any player in-game. Uh, they tracked it. I mean, he, he averages the most, like, miles or whatever per game that they play. So uh, he's well-conditioned. Um, and CJ on his podcast, he talks about it all the time. So that, that question probably wasn't fair, and, and I probably should have figured out a different way to ask it. Um, but, but yeah, I think Nurkic not being – I think Nurkic just being injured probably was the difference. I mean, because they just lost this game. or They lost this series really – what? I mean, they it was close every single game. I mean, game four was a, a two-point game. Um, 
Game three was the biggest margin of loss, and that was 11. In game two, they lost by three. In game one, they lost, well, no, game one, they lost by a lot. They lost by 22 in game one. So, I mean, a lot of these games between games two, three, and four were close at some point and really close, you know, going down the stretch. There's probably just a lot that goes into it. I mean, Portland will be okay, I think. I, well, not I think, I know. I, they'll be back on this stage next year um, as we as we near another 30-minute uh, mark. Um, but if you guys have anything left to say about this series coming up after the break, we can do that. Otherwise, uh, we're going to go on to the NBA Finals. Welcome back to uh, episode 36 of Check the Scoreboard. This is the final segment, segment three. And we're going to get into the NBA Finals. But first off, before we do that, we got to give a shout-out to our man, John Draymond of Guido News. Guido News Special predicted that the Toronto Raptors would be in the NBA Finals. Shout-out to you, John. Shout-out to Guido News and the Guido News Special Report. Also, shout-out to Alex, because Alex, back in December, when when I was in Birmingham and we linked up for that episode, he predicted that Toronto would get to the Finals. So shout-out to Guido News. Shout-out to Alex. He had it right. I would like to give a personal shout-out to myself. Because in November, I tweeted that Toronto was still the best team. So technically, 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 I was proven right. All right, let's get into this. <laughs> let's get into the NBA Finals. The biggest news, Kevin Durant's not playing game one. Alex, do you know the numbers for the Golden State Warriors when Kevin Durant has not played the last five games of the postseason? It's okay if you don't because I have them. Still undefeated. Yeah, that's the most important stat. 5-0, 115 points a game, 49% shooting. Oh, my bad. Let me say that again. Um, 49% shooting from the field and 32% from three. Pretty good numbers. Um, Steph, in that, in that time span, averaging 35, basically 36 a game. I like to round up. Y'all know that. I like whole numbers. 36 a game, 56% shooting from the field. Oh, my bad. Let me say that again. 56% shooting from the field. Uh, that covers a 50 – that's a 54 for 97. He's 54 for 97 in five games, five whole games since Kevin Durant's been out. And he's shooting you, shooting 42% from three. Clay, 23, 23 points a game. He's shooting 40% from the field, and he's shooting 40% from three. Um, so pretty impressive numbers there for, for Golden State. Alex, when you think about how this series opens up for Golden State, what are your initial thoughts? Uh, you're on the road, and they haven't started the series on the road in a while. So there's that. And you're also finally – playing a team with a small forward. This whole, the whole playoff run, they haven't played a team with a, a player like a quite hundred, but they haven't played a team with a small forward. Alfred Camino, no. Uh, the what, P.J. Rockets Tucker? Have a legitimately, yeah, but he's not going to, he's not score. So, there's not, there was never really a need for Durant. There's never really a need for that balance there. I think this is. I think. I think this is going to be the most difficult road series. The first two games of the series, they probably had because they've had Kevin Durant, and unfortunately, it's without him. But I mean, it, it's if Kyle Lowry shows up, 
Oh, it's going to be a difficult game for the Warriors. And even though they are the Warriors, Kawhi Leonard can really put a stop to to you and your and, and the Warriors in the run. Because I think Kawhi Leonard's going to end up guarding Clay Thompson. If I were the Raptors, I'd put Kawhi Leonard on Clay Thompson. I would really make Clay's life miserable putting Kawhi on there. Cause, and that's the cause size. If McKinney starts, if, if McKinney starts, then, I mean, he's no real viable threat. And you can put Danny Green on him, and 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 I think the I think the Raptors are really really ex- should probably be excited and, and positive that, that they can really win these first two games, especially if Kevin Durant doesn't travel. Which I I read today that Steve Kerr is mulling the decision to let him travel, so it looks as though Durant's probably back walking and might get back on the court real soon, but he might have to come back when they're in Oakland playing. Um, and if they're down 0-2, then it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to, it's really going to be some pressure on the Warriors to win both those games. And I have to go back to, to Toronto down 3-1. Yeah. Manny, now on the other side of that, you for the Raptors, I just read off all those stats and the numbers for Golden State without Kevin Durant. For you personally, when you hear the fact Kevin Durant's not playing in game one, for, what are your initial thoughts on this series for Toronto? Well, I mean, minus five as well. That's another 20, 25 plus points I have to worry about being put up in the series. Um, <laughs> because essentially, it's like it's like Alex said, KD is a luxury to them. You know what I'm saying? He's a, he's a point boosting. He's not a necessity. You know, we've seen what they can do without him. Um, he's just that extra oomph. So, honestly, if I'm, if I'm the Raptors, one that's like one less person I got to guard. Because, um, again... He is a walking 20, 25 plus points every game. So that's that's like one side relief. Um, at the same time, I'm, I'm thinking, what are we going to do with this this two headed monster with with Stephen Clay? Um, I, and I, I would agree with Alex. If anything, I'm putting Kawhi on Clay, hands down. Um, and that will probably one being one of the best matchups we see during that series if KD does not play. Um, and I'm also thinking. What are we going to do with Steph? You know, we all are starting to have a little bit of hope in Kyle Lowry. We're hoping that he can continue this consistency and he can continue to, you know, ball like he has been the last few games to the conference finals. Um, at the same time, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, what if it's the same Kyle Lowry is old? What if he gets on that stage and he doesn't show up? <laughs> you know, so it's... Yeah. Initially, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, we don't have to worry about KD putting up 20, 25 plus points on us. And then I'm thinking, what are we going to, how are we going to handle the two headed monster with Stephen Clay? I think personally. I, I pose a real question right here. I want, I want to ask a question. Okay. If Kyle Lowry does not show up, let's say for instance, he doesn't show up in either, and, and they lose one of the games at home, and Fred Bamfleet's playing better. Do you start Van Vliet going to Oakland and pull Kyle Lowry and put him on the bench? Is that, is it, do you think that's a, a, a real thought that goes on in Toronto? Because you're going to Oakland, and, and, and that's the, probably the toughest arena to play in in the NBA. Do you, do you, Kyle Lowry and still hasn't been consistent in the playoffs. He was consistent that past series, but if he starts to show that inconsistency, do you make that adjustment? Because there's no series evidence. There's no games after this. You, you're going to Oakland, and you got to win one. 
what do you think, Manny? Do you want to answer that first, or do you want me to go ahead and take it? Uh, I mean, honestly, I'm I'm thinking of you know what I'm saying one Kyle Lowry's been my starter. You know, they've trusted another starter. I don't know as far as like benching him and starting that week. I would I'm thinking more rotating them a little bit more. Um, but as far as benching Kyle, I don't know because I'm thinking of how that can affect Kyle throughout the rest of the series. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he's not. I I, I respect Kyle Lowry as a player. At the same time, he doesn't have. What I've seen, he doesn't have the same mindset that Dave or CJ would have. You know what I'm saying? Like Steph or Clay would have. As far as he knows he's a starter, he knows he can put up those points. It seems like Kyle is still trying to find his identity as a guard. Which, you know what I'm saying, you would think by now, with how long he's been in the league, he would have that identity. Um, so I don't know about benching him. Definitely rotating those guards a little bit more. But I don't know about, you know what I'm saying, basically the starters and three off with. My opinion on that is I think you still stay with Kyle Lowry because he is your starter. This is what you're comfortable with. Van Vliet hasn't started in the playoffs. Um, Van Vliet hasn't uh, – he hasn't started most of the season. So it's been you with Kyle Lowry. He's, he's gotten you this far. Kyle Lowry really – his identity is defensively first. So I think if Kyle Lowry can still make a strong impact defensively, um, if he's still if – he, if he's playing uh, Steph well uh, defensively, even in, in my opinion, I think they maybe run Danny Green on Steph at times and let Kyle Lowry switch off on McKinney um, because I think Danny Green provides that extra length. Maybe he can get an extra hand, a taller hand up in Steph's face because I think Kyle Lowry is maybe around 6'1". Um, I think if that's even being generous and Steph is 6'3". Uh, Danny Green is about 6'4", uh, I want to say like 6'4", 6'5", uh, maybe a little taller. So you get that extra length on him. Um, and, and maybe let Kyle Lowry play off into someone else. But I don't think you take Kyle Lowry out of the lineup. I think maybe you do platoon them more. You maybe rotate Van Vliet's minutes and, and step it up um, because you never know how Van Vliet's going to play. You never know how he's going to play in the moment because you don't want to go away from what you've been doing all season. Um, and, and Kyle Lowry has played spectacular defense, and he does things that help you win in terms of he grabs rebounds. He's a – for his size, for Kyle Lowry's size, he is a strong rebounder. He boxes guys out. Yeah. I have no idea how he boxed out Giannis in Game Six, but he did. I have no idea. I have no idea how he boxed out Joel Embiid in that last series, but at times he was boxing out Joel Embiid and he was boxing out Ben Simmons. So Kyle Lowry does things and he takes charges. So he does things that help you win, and he and he plays on the defensive end. He plays with energy. So yes, I. We, I would love to see Kyle Lowry average 19 again in this series. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love to see him average 19 again. He doesn't have to average it, but I would love to see him be solid offensively because if he struggles offensively, um, unfortunately, we are going to be talking about, okay, Ben Vliet's Ble- ben been playing better the last three games. Like, Do we let him play? Uh, do we give him more minutes? Uh, but for right now, Nick Nurse, a rookie head coach, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think the thought would enter his head to maybe to maybe start Van Vliet over Lowry. I certainly wouldn't start Van Vliet over Lowry. He's my All Star point guard. I understand that it's the finals and that there's no season after this, but I feel like you still have to trust in what got you here. Kyle Lowry being the starter got me here. Van Vliet coming off the bench in games four through six, or Van Vliet coming on as of late coming off the bench got me here. He hit the shots when 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 we had when we were in the you know. Uh, when we were down the stretch, he hit the shots off the bench when Kyle Lowry needed the rest 
or when Kawhi needed the rest. And we and we ran Kyle Lowry next to 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 Van Vliet and we slid Danny Green down to the small forward position. So um I understand your question, Alex, and, and I think it's a, a strong question. I think it's a really good question. Uh, but I don't I don't think I don't think you go away from from Kyle Lowry because I think he provides so much more uh, than scoring. I mean, I certainly don't think he's going to have a game where he scores zero points. So but I'm also no, not, not. yeah, but I'm also not looking for him to score 20 points. If he has a 30 point game like he did against Milwaukee to open the series. I think Toronto is very much in that game because you, you have to factor, you have to figure you're going to get 25 at least from Kawhi because he's averaging 21 shots um, or he did in the last series. So you're going to get 25 from, from Kawhi at least if Kyle Lowry is going to give you 30, you have to take your chances. You have to believe that you're going to be in the game. But what I want to know is what I want to know is who has the advantage in this series does Toronto have the advantage or does Golden State have the advantage? Because, Alex, you and I talked about regular season means nothing. Oklahoma City swept Portland in the regular series. They got their ass beat in five. Sorry, Grandma, if you're listening to this. They got their butts kicked. Um, <laughs> Toronto, Toronto, beat, Toronto beats Golden State in both, in both matchups. They beat, them in, they beat them by 20 in Oracle. Uh, in December, and they they went in overtime in Toronto in November, uh, one thirty one to one twenty or one yeah one thirty one to one twenty eight. That's the game that Kevin Durant had fifty one. Um, but Steph didn't play in that game in Toronto, and then Kawhi didn't play in that game in Golden State when they won by twenty. So, who do you think has the advantage, Manny? I'm gonna start with you. Is it Golden State or is it Toronto? I mean it's. It's, it's, it's like you said. Um, because we haven't seen both. We haven't seen either team at full capacity when they play each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like you said, regular season means means nothing when it comes to the postseason. Um, and I think the one player in particular, and we all know who I'm talking about, who the prime example of that is LeBron. How we talk about regular season LeBron is different from postseason LeBron. Um, and I think it's shown for the Warriors you know, regular season Warriors is, is, is different from postseason Warriors. Yeah, they're still going to run and gun the way they do, um, but that, that ship is a lot tighter when it comes to the postseason. When it comes to the final, that, that ship is a lot tighter when it comes to playing ball. Um, so I would I would give it to the Warriors solely because of their experience in the playoffs. Um, and, they've, and they've had this just about the same team throughout the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Like throughout the last few times they've been in, in the playoffs and in the finals. Um, so I give that I give that edge to the Warriors, and that's solely for experience. Um, and yes, yeah, I have to give it to the Warriors. What about you, Alex? Uh, I'm going to go opposite. I'm going to give the advantage to the Raptors uh, for two reasons: um, to combat the experience, Manny. Um, the Raptors do have experience somewhat because yeah. Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green and Marcus All have been there. And uh, they have NBA champions on their teams. And I think with the Raptors being in full health, I think them also playing at home, I can see them winning both these games. I really can see them winning these two games at home. Um, I just, I think, I think, I think Kyle Lowry would get about 15. I think he gets you double digits. I think that um, Clay, I think if Kawhi guards Clay, Clay only, Clay might not get. 
15 to 20. And so it's going to put a lot of pressure on other players for the Warriors to step up and score. And I think I think that they can do it, but I can see this. I, I really can see it being – I don't think the Warriors are going to sweep in Toronto to start the season. I don't. Can the Warriors oh, sneak no. one out? Can Warriors sneak one out? Yes. But I think they're going to force the Warriors to play at the Toronto Raptors' face. Toronto Raptors slowed the game down more. And, and, and they play, they're one of the top defensive teams in the league, so they play a slower pace. And I think it's what they're going to try to do. Um, for the Warriors, it's, it's just, can they, can they get hot and, and can they do what they've been doing all postseason and fight into a lead and win the game at the end? Or will the Raptors do what they always do and they keep their lead and they win the game? And I, I, I can see the Raptors going to Oakland up 2-0 um, because it, it, Durant is, is going to be needed to win this series because Kawhi Leonard is standing on the other side of the court. They're, fi- they're finally playing a team with a forward who can completely give them 45 easily. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to agree with Alex just because the thought just, the thought literally just now just popped into my head the fact that this is probably the most beatable the Warriors have looked, even with Kevin Durant at times. I mean, they gave up a 30-point lead in the playoffs to the Clippers, and they had Kevin Durant. Yeah. Um, I know that was an anomaly, but it happened. My thing about the, my thing about the Raptors is, is, yeah, they don't have a, a, a Damon CJ that can just boom, 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 score on you. But if the Raptors get up by double digits, the thing that and not we before this before we we came on mic on air with this, I was talking to you guys about this before we started the segment. The difference between the Raptors and the Trailblazers or the Raptors and the Rockets, who also had double digit leads on the Warriors, is they have the length, they have the defense. These guys, Kawhi Leonard, Mark Gasol, Kyle Lowry, these guys are all NBA. These guys are all NBA defenders. These guys are. If they're not first team all defense, they're somewhere on that list. Second team, third team. Gasol is a, is a is a defending defensive player of the year. So is Kawhi. Kawhi's done it twice. Um, Siakam is a is a strong defender in his own right. He can move his feet. He can play more than one position. He's listed as a power forward, but he can guard the three. He can he gets. I mean, these guys. They're starting. You've got Ibaka also, who starts sometimes and sometimes comes off the bench. Great defender. I mean. Yeah. So this Raptors team, if they get up by double digits, it's going to be so it's going to be difficult for the Warriors. To, and if if the Warriors don't have Kevin Durant this first, they won't have Kevin Durant for this first game. If he can't play in this second game, and Toronto somehow steals that, the pressure is on Golden State because, I mean, you will obviously you need it's at that point it's saying we need Kevin Durant because we need a we need another we need another option. Also, if they don't have Demarcus Cousins. If he's too late to the series in terms of – and by late, I mean they say he's going to play at some point. But if he's coming back when they're down 3-0 or 3-1, not even his presence can help them win four games in a row, I don't think, because that's how good this Raptors team – that's how solid they are. And shout out, and shout out to Masai Ujiri for making that that trade for Marc Gasol at the deadline, that trade – trading away yeah. Valanciunas, trading away um, C.J. Miles, trading away, trading away those guys – to bring in Marc Gasol, who's a little bit older, but he's way wiser. He's got the experience. He's shown he's shown oh. he's shown that he can still move and play. He played he did it against Embiid, and he's done it against Anacumpo. He's done it against Brook Lopez. Um, 
Oh, and by the way, the Raptors still don't have OG Anunoby, who's also a solid defender in his own right. He hasn't played at all since like early on in the season. He's had like a season-long injury, and he hasn't played at all in the playoffs. If they had him, that would just be another tier to the to the the defensive arsenal that that the Raptors have. And so, oh. go ahead, Alex. Yeah, it is. It, it was a great. I was gonna add that it was a great trade they made for Mark Gasol. I mean, you like Valanciunas, but Gasol adds a little more veteran presence. He has uh, a little more shooting and the touch to things. He's a very cerebral player. Um, I, I, I am. I, I, you know, the thought has crossed my mind, and it's probably relevant to the conversation. But I, I've, I've wondered if they were to trade Lowry for Mike Conley, how different or what this Raptors team would be like. Would they? Would they really have the advantage? I think Mike Conley was a very consistent playoff player. I think hindsight twenty twenty. I honestly don't know if they even beat the Sixers if they have Mike Conley. If you if you think about if that series still goes seven, I don't know that Mike I don't know that Mike Conley is putting them I don't know if Mike Conley is getting that that's that clutch rebound that Lowry gets in game seven when the game is like tied or when they're up by two. I think it was after Kawhi like missed a free throw or something. I don't know or like or when he missed a jump shot. Um I don't know that Mike Conley boxes out Embiid which I'm never, I'm never going to get over. I don't know if he gets that rebound. Um, I don't know if Mike Conley scores 30 in game one against the Bucks. I don't know if he still averages 20 for the series. So I don't know if they live to make it past Philadelphia because Mike, because Kyle, I love Mike Conley and God knows, I think he's underappreciated and he's underrated. And I don't know how he's not made an all-star team in his, his career. And I would love for Mike Conley to end up on a winner um and a contender but i don't know i don't know how he fits in so hindsight 2020 i don't think it works um but let's say they still do get to this point i don't know and conley who's a who's a solid defender in his own right but i don't think he's the hound that kyle lowry is so i don't know i don't know how much better toronto is with mike conley over if they make that trade what about you, Manny? It's just interesting to think about. Yeah, I mean, it, it is okay, interesting to think about, but I, I would agree with, with Jamal. Um, I don't, I don't see Conley being, even said having that ability to be that guard um, to push him beyond uh, any other round. Um, and again, it's, it's because of Lowry's defensive play, um, which. I would say probably set them apart from Conley a little bit. Um, of course, we would all like to see a, a more offensive presence from Kyle, uh, especially now going to the finals. But and I, I don't, I don't even know how that would play out if they do make that trade and Conley end up uh, playing with the Raptors. I just, I, I can't see it. Yeah, I don't think they make it past the Philadelphia series, in my opinion. Yeah. And we're probably talking about the Bucks going to the finals because that I mean, no way are the nowhere the nowhere the Sixers gonna be able to pack the paint against the Bucks and stop them and BK is probably happy that because his team's going to the finals. And I'm probably happy because I predicted the Bucks to win that series. I was wrong. I was wrong last series. I said Giannis is gonna average twenty five. 
he didn't. He averaged twenty what twenty three, and I said the Bucks were going to win in five, and they they lost in six. So uh, the Raptors proved me wrong last series, um, and that's why this is so hard to pick. And everybody on the timeline was was picking Sunday, like everyone on or Saturday. Everyone on the timeline was picking immediately afterwards. And Alex and you and I talked, and I said I have no idea how to pick this. I said I'm going to give it a couple of days. I'm going to let everything settle. I'm going to look at the numbers. I'm going to go back and see how they played against each other in the regular season. Um, I And I, I don't know how to pick this because when Steph and Clay played in the same game against this, this Raptors team, which was in Oracle, they combined, they combined for 24 points, 10 of 29 shooting and two of 13 shooting from three. Steph had 10 points in that game and he hit the two threes. Uh, Clay made zero threes in that game. But he still had he still had 14 points, and Kevin Durant played in that game as well. And KD had 37 and five. He had 30 points, seven rebounds, five assists. Kawhi didn't play in that game, and they still lost by 20. Kyle Lowry had 25 points or whatever. Siakam had a strong game. I just so like I don't know. But on the other hand, when Steph didn't play in Toronto in November, he was either suspended or he was injured. It's really weird to talk about Steph Steph serving a suspension, but I'm pretty sure. He had served a suspension or something like that for tripping, I think. Katie had 51. Clay had 20-whatever, and they lost by three in overtime. Of course, they were getting their butts beat, and Katie just he caught fire in the third and fourth quarters. So even when they had, they had all three, they still lose, and Kawhi doesn't play. Kawhi plays, and they're, they, they're getting mauled even though Steph doesn't play. So I don't know how to call this because – the Raptors seem complete and they, they have a cyborg leading them and they have the experience now and they got the guys. I don't know how to pick this series without saying that Toronto has, if they don't have, if, if they don't have a, a better chance to beat this Warriors team, it is literally, it's deadlocked. It's 50, 50, the coin flips and you don't know what you're going to get because they've shown in the regular season that, yeah, they can beat this team and they've shown in the postseason that they can beat the they can beat they can beat the tougher teams. They can beat the more complete teams. They beat the number one scoring team in basketball, uh, the team that had that led in like efficiency, the team that the number one defensive team in, in the Bucks. So they've shown that they can beat those guys and they've got a they've got a champion horse leading them. Um, and everybody else is is following suit. Everyone else so far has stepped up to the plate, stepped up to the challenge on this Toronto team. And not just their veterans, but it's the guys who have been here in the past, sort of really, but they just haven't gotten over the LeBron James hump. Now there's no LeBron James, and these guys are in the finals for the first time. So I don't, I don't know how to personally call this series. But Alex, I do know, I do know. Drake has never dropped name dropped the Raptors in a rap, but he has name dropped the Warriors and Kevin Durant and Steph and Draymond. That's all I'm saying. If the Drake curse is real. And he, if the Drake, if the Drake, if the Drake curse is real, he wore the 76ers shorts in game seven. Gucci Mane was in Toronto. Uh, and then he trolled what's he trolled the, the, the Bucks owner's daughter for wearing the, the push a t-shirt. If the Drake curse is real. All right. All I'm, all I'm saying is he's got several names for the Warriors in his songs, but he has none for the Raptors. Does that concern you? Is it real? I mean, I, I, if I'm Drake, I'm wearing Golden 
State jerseys, hats, socks, underwear. I'm trying to let the curse oh, flow through the arena. And he apparently has. I mean, uh, and he apparently has the Kevin Durant and the Steph Curry tattoos. We've been pretty serious. Well, We've been pretty serious all episode well, long. This is like the one silly moment. Hey, look, I'm I'm gonna let you know. I'm happy he's off the Alabama bandwagon. He can go to Clemson <laughs> or somewhere else. Leave us alone, okay? But I I mean I don't know. Drake the other day was wearing like a Tupac hoodie. And something else with Kawhi's name on the back. Uh, although I'm gonna, I'm gonna say he did not wear the headband like Tupac, because I'm pretty sure he it wore around his neck while he was looking in the mirror. <laughs> but um, I mean, it, this series, and I'm 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 with you, Jamal, and I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure many parts of the same way. It's just it's the it's the injury to Durant, it's the injury to Cousins, it's the it's 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 the fact that you didn't see what both teams were capable of when they played in the regular season. Um, because when Durant scored 51 against the Raptors, they didn't have, they didn't have curve. They also didn't have DeMarcus Cousins or Draymond Green. That's true. Um, they were really shorthanded. So that game you really can't compare to the other game, uh, the beginning of the season when they, when the, when the Raptors went Oracle, there were people missing. It just, it just seems like the first game can be a fill it out game. Because you really don't know when Durant's going to come back, but he'll be back in the series. Now, if he can come back when they go to Oracle, then I think I think the Warriors have the advantage to win the series. But the Warriors have to basically avoid Iguodala, Livingston, or anybody else getting injured. Yeah, and they, uh, you know, Stilling will be Stilling one in the beginning would be really beneficial for them. Um, but um, like I said, I still give the Raptors that slight advantage because of the Durant injury and the Cousins injury. But um, you're looking at you're looking at the Raptors. Better hope they win the first two because mm-hmm. in the finals every year we all know that the games aren't aren't play one day, miss a day, play one day. They they get more time between games because the finals last like two weeks and. Um, so there's going to be plenty of time to rest up for the other players to heal. So the so Raptors better hope they get the first two. If they lose one and Durant and or Cousins comes back, it's going to be really difficult for them to win in Oakland. They're going to have to win one of three. And that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. All right, 30-minute break here, and then we'll be back to talk about All right, welcome back after the break, our little tiny stint of a break. We were talking about injuries to to uh, players in this series, Golden State players, namely Demarcus Cousins and Kevin Durant, and how their impact would help the Warriors. Um, you know, if they come back in a timely manner. My another thing to think about is Alex was talking about the the long breaks that they were having. Um, it's certainly it's certainly going to help Andre Iguodala, who who suffered a calf injury late in the series against the Trailblazers, similar to what Kevin Durant suffered. Um, a mild calf strain is what they also called it. His status for game one is is not really known yet. Um, they don't know if he's going to play yet. He's ha- he hasn't been ruled out, which is the good thing for Golden State. Um, but it, he hasn't been it has he hasn't been cleared. So um, the jury's still out on that. But also Kawhi Leonard. Just thinking about what Kawhi Leonard did the last three games of the series, I think, uh, or at least the last two. Um, against the Bucks with what seemed like an injury to his leg. Uh, 
I mean, Kawhi Leonard just closed the series out phenomenally. I mean, he 30 points in one game and in 27 in game in game six. And then I think he had uh, or he may have had 19 in game four. And then he had like 31 in, in game five. And then he had 27 in game six. So if his leg injury really hurt him. 17 rebounds. Yeah, and 17 rebounds. So if his leg really was bothered. And he dunked on Giannis in game six. So. Right. I mean, if his if his leg, I mean, if his leg injury was was any sort of serious, um, he either powered through it like the cyborg he is, or he just it just got better. But I know that the time off is going to help him, which is going to make him more lethal, uh, because against Golden State, I mean, he did he did play the one game against Golden State in the regular season. He had thirty seven points, and Kevin Durant played that game. Um, so. And Clay played that game. So that means at least one of those two guys were guarding him, if not both. And I, the game did go into overtime. The game did go into overtime, but he had 30 points. I remember that game. He had 30 points by the third quarter. So, I mean, healthy Kawhi is a plus, 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 plus for the Raptors as long as they don't have Kevin Durant because that means they can easily steal game one. And if Kevin Durant comes back for game two – and you have a plus 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 Kawhi, and you have a Kevin Durant who hasn't played in a month, uh, who's kind of you know, he's kind of getting back into the groove. He's kind of he's getting back into his game. Um, practice and, and game time are, are very different. And I know Kevin Durant's a, an all world player. He's one of the the best players in the world at right now, top three. Um, but still, I got to believe that practice from practice to the game is it's very different. And for Kawhi Leonard, who's been in the games and now he's just he's just healthy. Um, the Raptors have the advantage in that. So, which brings me to our next to our next point. We we now have assessed players, and we now have assessed what is going to you know if if the Warriors have Demarcus Cousins and Kevin Durant by such and such game, like they can win this series. If the Raptors have a healthy Kawhi, if, if Kyle Lowry shows up and, and the bench continues to play as well as they do, the Raptors, you know, like they could be this. My question is. Comfortably, comfortably, what do you think is going to happen in this? What do you see the series going? Who do you see winning, and how many games? Alex, you first. Considering all injuries and things like that, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be torn. Just, I mean, my, I, every day, every game, I'm probably gonna switch my my thoughts, but I'm gonna go Golden State in seven. I think when they get when they get the rent back, they get um, cousins back, and I think I think they'll be fine. I think they work well enough together to where they get their flow back. I think they went in seven. Um, I think they somewhere. I either think they win the second game in Toronto or the fifth game in Toronto, and ultimately end up winning the series somehow. Um, it, it's just it's it's going to be tough. It's really going to be tough for them. Uh, to win a game without Durant and, and try to make it manageable, but I think I think he'll come back with reasonable time left in the series to help them win it. Um, I think that Toronto makes it probably the most interesting finals we've seen since 2013. Spurs, Cavs? No, no, no. No. Yeah. What about you? Think so? You don't think you don't think this the seven game series between the Cavs no. and Warriors? I mean, that's what I said. That's what I said. I mean, I meant fifteen. That's why I said fifteen. Yeah, yeah. the game that since then, because when Kevin came, there hasn't really been a series. 
Um, I'm, I meant, my bad, I meant 15, my bad. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a very interesting series. I think, I think Kyle Lowry shows up. I think Kawhi shows up. I think both him and KD average 30 points a game. Um, I think this might be the series where Curry gets his first finals MVP. Um, and this is, this is no knock against him. It's just because Durant's not playing. I think I think Steph gets his first finals MVP. Before Manny goes, I just wanna for those who don't know the the final schedule, it's Thursday they play, they tip off, um, then they don't play again until Sunday, June second, and then when the series when the series when the series shifts to Golden State, they don't play again until Wednesday the fifth. So they'll get Monday and Tuesday off from that, and then. They'll play again Friday, game four, so they'll just get a one-day break uh, between games three and four. And then, if necessary, game five, Monday, June 10th, back in back in Toronto, game six. If necessary, June 13th will be played in Golden State. And then game seven, if necessary, June 16th uh, will be played at Toronto. So that's the schedule we're looking at. So the first – between games one and two, you'll get Friday and Saturday off. Uh, between games two and three, you'll get Monday and Tuesday off. And then after that, um, they'll just get Thursday off between games three and four, which I think is going to be critical because if you're talking about um, getting DeMarcus Cousins back, if you're talking about Kevin Durant and where he's going to be if he comes back for game two um, and if he plays that or if he's not able to go game two but he comes back for game three, you're thinking about his minutes restriction. If he has a minutes restriction, you're thinking about minutes and where you want to play him, especially Cousins who hasn't played since the first round. You're thinking about minutes uh, because you only have Thursday off between games three and four. Um, and I think that's going to be a big factor between who win, who wins game four because a healthy Toronto team, Kawhi Leonard, if he's healthy after after having all these days off between having to play the, the Bucks and going into, into Thursday's game, he's good to go. If he if he's good to go, the Raptors, everybody's going – everybody – Everybody's pumping on all cylinders. For the Warriors, they're having to get guys caught up. We're talking about Iguodala. Uh, we're talking about much older players, Iguodala, uh, Livingston, Durant. Uh, I mean, Durant's still fairly young, but he hasn't played in a month. Cousins hasn't played in, in a month, in like a month and a half. So um, I would be – I'm watching if games one, two, and three are kind of split and Toronto has a 2-1 advantage, I'm definitely going to be watching game four. Uh, because I think that's going to be the pivotal game. If the Warriors can rebound, especially with guys like Cousins and Durant, if Cousins is back, if they can rebound and they can get solid game plan, uh, game plan out of him, then this series can last until seven. But if not, if those guys look tired, if the Raptors just look better than them, I think Toronto could could probably steal this one, which would be a shame. But Manny, what are your thoughts? Um, and again, like, like. Like I was saying, and you know, I'm I'm torn because it's it's a difficult decision. That's solely based off of how they playing and the injury um, that that it's like the Warriors. Um, but why having to deal with the you know it's like at this point in time, um, and at the same time, I would have to agree with with Alex on this one. Um, I think that. KD coming back, like I said before, KD is a walking 20, 25-plus points, um, which 
I think will offset Kawhi being able to put up the numbers that he has putting up. Um, and again, it's it, it's difficult. Uh, like 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 you said, Jamal. I agree. The first the first three games of the series will will have to. I will really have to fill it out um, to see where everybody is, how everybody's playing, um, because it, it's difficult. Defensively, Toronto Toronto is there. Um, I would I would say defensively, Toronto was there. Offensively, I would I would like to see more, of course, from Kyle. But offensively, and besides Kawhi, but Kawhi is a whole other conversation. Offensively, I would like to see a little more from them, um, because the Warriors on offense they they can move the ball, they can get to their spots, and again with Clay, it's he's a he's a spot up he's a spot on shooter. You can pass him the ball and it's it's bucket. Um, so. I think, and I really do hate to say it, but I I see the Warriors taking it, especially if uh, KD comes back and he's healthy. Maybe not even 100%, but maybe at like 80 85% to the point where he can still shoot the three um, and get his mid-range. Maybe not post up like the way he can, but if, if KD can shoot the ball like he normally can, I, I think it's going to be difficult for them. Because at that point in time, with KD coming back, you have to figure out who's going to guard KD. Because um, if you take Kawhi off the play and put Kawhi on KD, who's going to guard Clay, and vice versa? Um, it's it's it's, it's going to be hard. Um, and again, these first three games, I'm really got to figure it, like fill it out or figure it out. Deep what's what's going to happen? Because it's, there's so many factors and so many variables that go into this as far as what can happen. Yeah. What? Uh, can we just come back to? Can we come back to this when KD plays the game and like maybe redo our picks? Because I feel like that might be what happens. Yeah, we can reconvene. Like, I feel like all three of us are mulling this because of yeah. Yeah, we can definitely reconvene on this and and, and do a re up um, when Kevin Durant plays again because then we'll we'll know. Um, <clears throat> but just for me right now, I don't know if you guys have been thinking about this, but in a way. This and this isn't taking anything away from the Raptors, but if the Raptors do win this series, I don't really know. Like, I feel like it's gonna be it's gonna be bittersweet if the Raptors win this series, um, and we don't get Kevin Durant for most of the series. Let's say the series just doesn't last long. Like, let's just say like it lasts yeah. like five. Like Toronto wins in five or something. It's gonna be bittersweet the fact that we don't get Kevin Durant and Demarcus Cousins especially Cousins, um, who has been on a, you know, he's been on some really bad Sacramento Kings teams and then he gets traded to New Orleans and then he tears his Achilles. Um, and then he comes to Golden State, you know, he signs the, he signs for the, the minimum and he gets here, he, he comes back in January or December and then he gets to the playoffs and then he gets hurt again. Like, it's going to be so, I feel like the universe is going to be so unfair and this would be one of the, like, just for them to stop the three peat, for the universe to halt the three peat because of injuries, that would be uh, to me that would yeah. be so that would be so bitter and so unfair. Um, but I mean, I know for a fact that Toronto is going to bring it every single game, and I know that they're not going to feel sorry for this team because this team is this team is still good enough to, to win a championship uh, with without Demarcus Cousins and without Kevin Durant. Um, but I mean, just you would you would hate to you would hate to see it literally and it, and like I would feel so conflicted like I would be happy for Toronto 
but I would feel like another part of me would be so guilty. Like I would have loved, like I would have loved to see Kevin Durant and DeMarcus Cousins for an entire series. But um, yeah, we can definitely re-up this because I, I mean, myself, I'm torn. I can't, I honestly don't want to pick. This is kind of like when I watched, um, when I watched Portland and, and Oklahoma city go at it in the first round, I didn't want to pick. I didn't want to pick because yeah. I thought it was so, I thought that series was so exciting. I thought it was so unfair that we were getting that in the first round that we were getting to watch Damon Russ uh, and Paul George and CJ, like those teams go at it. Like it was so unfair. Like I didn't want to pick. Um, but if Toronto wins, I think they'll win. I think they'll win in six, like they beat Milwaukee. But if Golden State wins, I think Golden State probably wins in seven. I agree with Alex. I just, I, I just think Toronto has to win in six. I know they get game seven at home. I know they have home court advantage, but I think they have to win in six. I think if the Warriors get enough games with Cousins and Durant, I think they can win it in seven. So I think Kawhi, like has to be dominant. I, I mean, he's going to be, I think he's going to be dominant. Um, I think Siakam and Van Vliet and Danny Green and Ibaka, I think those guys have to play their roles. They have to step up. They have to show up. I know, I know, I know for a fact, and I hope I'm not wrong in this, but I, I feel it. This is going to be a very strong series defensively for both teams. It's going to remind me a lot. It's going to remind us a lot of the 15 finals, um, especially game seven when you know, both teams didn't score for like five minutes, you know, at the end before Kyrie hits a three. I, I strongly feel like these games are going to be very strong defensively. They may be very low scoring in the 100s, um, which I think is an advantage to Toronto because Golden State does average well over 110 points a game. And if Toronto can keep them under that, I think that that's a, a huge advantage for them. Um but I mean, it's it's so tough to pick. There's so many variables. There's so many different factors. Um, if Toronto wins this series, you know, I mean, you you just know Golden State's going to break up anyways. Whether they win or lose, you just know it. You would just hate to see them lose their three peak because, I mean, Cousins gets injured, Durant gets injured. Like the universe is so unfair. But at the same time, I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, that's just how reality works. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's. it's yeah, just like when LeBron lost his, the first time to the Warriors in the finals, he played with absolutely nobody basically on the team and lost it. It tends to happen Yeah, a great team. And Kyrie breaks um, his kneecap. Yeah, and that was odd. I, mean, I don't know if I've ever heard the injury. And then uh, yeah, Kevin Love's arm got put out of socket. Uh, thank you, Kelly Olenek. Um which I feel like he should have been uh, suspended for that because it was intentional. But we're not going to go on that. But I mean, it, 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 the, the, every, everybody will tell you the only team stopping the Warriors are the Warriors. And, um, unfortunately, it, it's come to, to that wall. Um, and we just don't know. We just don't know the timetable of Kevin Durant's cap or DeMarcus Cousins' quad. What I've, Read and heard is that Demarcus Cousins could be back before Durant. But if you're uh, if you're the Warriors, you'd rather have Durant back before Cousins because you know the value of Durant yeah. being a little bit higher than Cousins. Definitely. Um, but I mean, like we, I mean, we will reconvene. We'll come back. 
who knows? We may even have a, a, an appearance. Maybe BK can come on next time. Maybe we'll have a, a special oh. a special call in from from Guido News with a with a with a special Guido News report. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we can maybe get that sponsored by Guido News if we can. Please, John, if you're listening, get us a sponsor from from Guido News. Um, but I want to thank you guys for coming on. Thank you guys for taking the time out. Hope you guys had a wonderful Memorial Day um, with your families. And for those of you listening, I hope you had a wonderful Memorial Day. I want to thank Alex and Manny for coming on once again. Alex, thank you for coming on for the second time. Manny, welcome to the show. I would love to have you back. Um, Absolutely. I appreciate Thank you for having us, man. No, man, definitely. Definitely. Having having more people on definitely makes the finals more fun, makes it more exciting. Um, and this is, I mean, we already spent enough time talking about it anyways. Why not, like, why not come on, you know, come out with it and, and talk about it uh, and let others hear what we talk about? Because we do have a ton of these conversations. And that's one thing that I talk about with, with Manny or with, with Alex, with Brian, <clears throat> uh, BK, and I talked about with Jalen. Um and guys that I've had on from from alumni and, and from Troy is we spend we spent so much time just talking about sports in general. Like we, we we just sat around and that's like literally what we would do all the time, all the like all day, all the time sometimes. Like that's what we would do. That play video games, order pizza, um, and yell at you know, TV for fantasy football. Like that's what we like that's what we did. Um, and so to have you guys come on and, and talk about it on the podcast. It means a lot to me, and you guys are my brothers, and you guys are, are some of the the best friends um, that I've that I've made, and, and I'm happy to to have met you guys. Um, so definitely, thank you guys for coming on, and we'll be back after Kevin Durant comes back. Uh, we'll probably take some time to reassess the way that he's played and, and how the and how that affects the series. I hope this series isn't over by the time he comes back. Um, that would be catastrophic. That would be just. That would just be the, the worst way to, to, to talk about a, a Kevin Durant impact um, is the, the fact that he did not impact it. So, But episode 36 of, of Check the Scoreboard podcast, that's going to wrap it up. NBA Finals edition, you know, Eastern Conference Finals wrap up, all that jazz. Follow, follow us on social media. Follow me on Twitter if you want to get their social medias, at Jamal Kennedy, J-H-M-A-L, Kennedy, K-E-N-N-E-D-Y. The blog, the blog is coming. Um, with, with the newest update on the most disappointing losses from the conference final series, that's coming along very well. Thank you guys for all the support. Uh, thank you to my friends and, and everybody listening. So episode 36 of Check the Scoreboard, we're out.